You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. We're back, WNDZ, 7.50 a.m., Catholic Chicago. Mark Treacy here sitting in for Father Greg Sackwich. You can go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. And before I introduce our next guest, I just wanted um, to emphasize, if you if you are watching on YouTube and you've heard the, um, the, the script behind it, um, USML.edu, the Mundelein Seminary, uh, is an important important place here. It's the heart of the Archdiocese here in Chicago, where not only men from our Archdiocese, but I think 33, 34 other dioceses prepare for their priestly ministry. Father Andy Manischewicz, who is an associate now at Holy Name Cathedral, was in one of those pictures, which reminded me to just say, you know, please look up usml.edu, and um, hopefully support our seminaries. Now, the Monastery of the Holy Cross is a Roman Catholic Benedictine monastery of the Subiaco Cassinese, and and I'm sure prior Peter will correct me on that, congregation. Continuing a centuries-old tradition, they live according to the rule of St. Benedict, seeking God through a life of prayer, silence, work, and hospitality. Joining us for this second half of today's program is Prior Peter Funk. Prior Peter, welcome to Catholic Chicago. Thank you very much. Now, where where are you located? We are in the Bridgeport neighborhood at the corner of 31st Street and Aberdeen Street. So just south of downtown, west of White Sox Park. Oh, sure. Right after college, uh, I and a roommate lived at 26th and Wallace. So, okay. Right, mm-hmm. right in your neighborhood. Well, welcome. Could you know? Uh, could you give people a little bit of background on Saint Benedict first, and then why did you choose to follow him? Certainly, uh, Saint Benedict is usually uh, thought to have been born in the year 480, so quite a long time ago. Uh, he's from the area around Rome, and uh, he went to Rome to study, going off to college, as it were, in those days but found the atmosphere there a bit too licentious and decided that it was best for his own spiritual growth that he withdraw from school. And he went and lived as a hermit for about three years in a cave near Subiaco, Italy, northeast of Rome. And uh, he gained a reputation for holiness. And so a number of disciples gathered around him. Eventually he wrote his rule for monks in the early sixth century. And he founded a group of 12 monasteries at Monte Cassino, south of Mm -hmm. Rome. And uh, that's where he died. And uh, in about 547, it's usually thought. And in the Middle Ages, especially under Charlemagne, the rule of St. Benedict became the default rule for monks in the Western Church throughout most of Europe. In terms of my own decision Mm -hmm. to follow St. Benedict, Uh, I guess when I discovered there were still monks in the church uh, shortly after my own time in college, I was quite excited to hear this because the contemplative life was something that appealed to me greatly. And uh, when I discovered that there was a contemplative group of Benedictines right here in Chicago, 
uh, and I started visiting and joining them for their liturgy and going on retreat and so on. I was very much intrigued. And uh, at some point I, I asked them to receive me and they said yes. And so I took it to be God's will that I be here. So uh, here I am. And how did that formation uh, work? Where did you go for uh, theology, philosophy, and then eventually where were you ordained? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Benedictinism is very interesting because we are a federation of autonomous houses. Mm -hmm. And so it's quite possible to do all of one's formation in-house. So we actually have our own canonical novitiate here. And uh, so I did my novitiate in the monastery here. And uh, though I did do theology studies at St. John's uh, School of Theology in Collegeville, Minnesota, mm -hmm. which is a Benedictine school uh, on the campus of a, a giant Benedictine monastery, much larger than our own. Uh, but we have also, again, trained priests in recent years in-house. So we'll make use of resources from outside. But because of the specific nature of our cloistered life, it's often advantageous for us if we can, if we have the resources to do our formation here and, and maintain the disciplines that we have in-house. And maybe explain to folks um, the cloistered life. What, what, sure. is it, what does a day look like for you? Sure. Uh, well, first, I, I should just mention that when I spoke briefly about St. Benedict and his withdrawal from the world and going off to live as a hermit, the cloister is a bit like that. I mean, we we are right in the middle of Chicago, and at the same time, we practice a withdrawal from the world by staying most of the time inside the cloister. We have our own individual cells, we call them, mm -hmm. uh, rooms where we go, and it's, again, like a hermitage where we will spend time in prayer each day. Uh, but then we do have a very intense communal schedule, which is part of what trains us to to this life. And so uh, we wake up at 3.10 a.m. in the morning. Wow. And then we have uh, the office of vigils at 3.30, which is a very long office. It takes between 45 minutes and an hour each morning. We recite psalms, uh, chant psalms, really. We listen to long readings from the scriptures and the church fathers. And then we have a period of Lexio Divina, so meditation individually on the Word of God. And that takes us up to 6 o'clock a.m., where we have the next office of the day, which is Lauds, or morning mm -hmm. prayer, which lasts about a half hour. We follow that with Mass every day. And after Mass is finished, we have a short bit of time for personal needs, breakfast, those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. At 8.15, we have the Office of Prime and a community meeting. So if there's anything that needs to be planned for the day, there are work projects going on. We can touch base with each other and make sure uh, we, we all know what's happening. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, this means we don't have to talk to each other as much during the day. We can maintain a certain interior silence. Mm -hmm. uh, practically speaking, when you live very close with each other, it's it's not easy to maintain that silence as much as we'd like. We have a class period, which is going on right now. I'm actually in the classroom, but there's not a class here today. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, at 9.30, we have the Office of Terse. Uh, these offices during the day are very short, three psalms and a hymn, basically, mm -hmm. and a reading. So uh, then we have the main work period, which lasts until about 12.30, followed by the Office of Sext, or midday prayer, and the main meal for the day. We have a time for a siesta after that, 
uh, or if there's other work to be done uh, or personal things need attending to. 2.30, we have the office of known, the ninth hour of the day. Another sort of work period after that for those who need it. 5.15 is Vespers, evening prayer. That's followed by a collation, which is basically a snack. You know, mm -hmm. we, we try to limit ourselves to one full meal each day so that we're fasting each day. And then we have a personal time in the evening for brothers who need to read or study. Sometimes brothers will play cards or board games or something mm -hmm. like that, recreation. And then Compline at the end of the day is at 8.15. And um, hopefully lights are out. I'm sorry, at 7.15. Mm -hmm. Hopefully lights are out by about 7.30 or 8. Because uh, oh, you're waking uh, up at 3. Three yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> now, if um, if a younger person or middle-aged is thinking about a, a life in the spirit of St. Benedict, how, how do they connect with someone? Would they connect with you? Mm -hmm. How do yes. they do that? Yes. Uh, again, it's interesting. We, we don't have a central... Uh, Benedictines don't have a central authority. We are all autonomous houses, mm -hmm. which means uh, we, we're self-governing. We're grouped into congregations so that uh, we have representatives between ourselves and the Holy See so that the church can keep track of us. Uh, but the the basic idea of the life is to have, again, a, like St. Benedict, a charismatic teacher with disciples around him. And then we make a vow of stability so we stay in generally in one monastery the rest of our lives with the same men. Mm -hmm. uh, so if someone were interested in the Benedictine way of life, the first thing is to find a monastery and go there and visit and just mm -hmm. pray with us, uh, attend mass with us, visit with one of the monks, just get a sense of the feel for the place, um, what, what, uh, what it's like to be in a place where we focus on silence and prayer and hospitality, manual labor. Uh, so that, that would be the most important thing is just get that exposure and get to know the community. And uh, one thing I tell young men who are looking at vocations is uh, it's really important to get to know at least one community fairly well, even if that's not the community you end up entering. Mm -hmm. Just because when you know religious, they can help. Uh, we, we can help discern if... Um, if we think this life isn't for you, we can say, well, why don't you try the Dominicans or something like that? Or even, as I mentioned, we're a very small community. There are other communities that are much larger than ours that are more active. Uh, so we can help, but it, it's important that we get to know the young person so that we can discern the Holy Spirit's movement in their hearts. Um, and it's it's difficult to do that on your own. So the more religious you know, the, the better I think you can get advice on this question. That's great. And, and if someone's in Chicago, then they could contact you. And how would they do that? Yes. Uh, my email is peter at chicagomonk.org. One more and, time. Uh, One more time, please. Sure. Peter, uh, that's my name, <laughs> at uh, chicagomonk, one word, dot org. You can find that at our website, which is www.chicagomonk.org. That's great. We're going to take a little break, and we'll be back. Uh, WNDZ, 750 AM, Catholic Chicago. You go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. Mark Tracy sitting in here for uh, Father Greg Sackowitz and joining us this morning, Prior Pete, Peter Funk. And when we get back, I'd like to talk a little bit about the Benedictine rule 
and how you're kind of living a countercultural life and why did you choose that lifestyle and how does that bless our larger faith community. We'll be back in a few minutes. Please stay tuned. Did you know that Catholic Charities accepts car donations? If you're ready to free up space in your garage and put a stop to all those expenses that go along with owning a car, we will gratefully accept your donation, whether the car is running or not. You choose a pickup time that is convenient for you, and we will make the donation as easy as possible free of charge. You'll receive a charitable donation receipt as well. We accept all types of vehicles nationwide, and you will know that your donation is made to Catholic Charities, an agency you can trust. To learn more about donating your car, call 877-786-4483. That's 877-786-4483. Thank you. Welcome back. Es fabuloso verlos. Dobrze jest znowu być razem. It's good to be together again. After so many months apart, pandemic capacity limits have been lifted, and we want to welcome everyone back to church. We can all pray together again. And listen as our choirs lift their voices in song. We've been together in spirit. And now when you are ready, our doors are open wide Nuestras puertas están abiertas de par en par. Nasze drzwi są otwarte. And we're here to welcome you back to Catholic Mass. Mother Cabrini, a missionary woman religious, helped shape America's social and healthcare system in the early 20th century, hugely impacting the city of Chicago. If you or your family are from Chicago, this is part of your history. Join other young adults for networking and learning together about this remarkable saint. Come together to pray and discern how sacred art and architecture bring us closer to our Lord. On Saturday, November 11, attend a Mass at 11 a.m., followed by a guided tour at the Shrine of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. It's located at 2520 North Lakeview Avenue here in Chicago. For more information, contact the Illinois chapter of the Patrons of the Arts in the Vatican Museums at 312-534-5351.
We're back, WNDZ, 750 AM, Catholic Chicago. Mark Tracy sitting in for Father Greg Sackwich. You can find us on YouTube.com slash Catholic Chicago. We're with Prior Peter Funk from the Monastery of the Holy Cross, um, Roman Catholic Benedictine Monastery. It's in Bridgeport. Um, uh, before the break, I, I want to ask you that countercultural question, but our producer, Brian, came in and said, don't forget to ask Father Peter about uh, the manual labor you folks do, and the caskets that are available to folks. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure, whatever you like, Mark. Yeah, I, uh, I'd like to hear about that. Sure. So uh, St. Benedict actually urges the monks to be open to manual labor in his rule, and this was a tradition that predates him by a couple centuries in the monastic life in the church that uh, monks, part of their withdrawal from the world is to separate out from the economic system even and to be self-sufficient in a certain way. Uh, that doesn't directly apply to us. But most of our manual work here is what most people recognize as taking care of a home. I mean, mm -hmm. we have a number of buildings that require upkeep, cleaning. We have several guest houses that we need to keep up. So we do a lot of cleaning, a lot of repairing of, of buildings, machinery, that kind of stuff. Uh, we have a nice garden, and uh, so that keeps us busy throughout the year. Uh, and just working with one's hands is uh, an act of humility, and it's an act of solidarity with other workers. And so in terms of the caskets, uh, we are affiliated with uh, Abbey Caskets, a work of St. Meinrad's Arch Abbey oh, sure. in Indiana. Sure. And so we have a, a showroom here where we showcase their caskets, but we also, uh, part of this we see it as a ministry and not just a business is to help uh, counsel people on how to deal with a dying loved one, make arrangements for funerals and things like that. Uh, we have seminars throughout the year on uh, what we call a happy death seminar, wow. uh, helping families prepare for the death of loved ones and so on. And what we find is that in the church today, uh, many people aren't aware of the resources the church has in accompanying families, accompanying those who are dying with last rites, with funeral services, burial services, and so on. And uh, so we very much want to be a resource for the archdiocese in that way. That's great. Now, how available are you in public ministry? I know your commitment is more contemplative. Um, mm -hmm. But do you like say mass at a parish, or uh, can you go outside of? Uh, we the can, monastery? Uh, and it's it's a matter of discretion in terms of what our interaction is with uh, people outside the the monastery. Uh, we don't normally do help out at parishes just because uh, because of our contemplative orientation. But our mass is open to anyone who wants to join us in the oh. morning, um, and uh, so. I did say it's 6.35 on weekdays, but on Sundays it's at 10 o'clock here. And, and give, people uh, the, give people the address in case someone does want to attend Mass there. Sure. Yeah, we are at 3101 South Aberdeen Street. And that is the corner of Aberdeen, which is about uh, three blocks west of Halstead and 31st Street on the south side. Now, it's interesting to me because I— can view, you know, you on YouTube, some of our radio listeners cannot, but I don't know how to say this other than uh, you You have a serenity about you. you. You talk about ministry, your commitment, and you smile. I mean, it, 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 yet you're living a lifestyle that some would say would be very countercultural. 
Do you want to speak to that a little bit and for our listeners? I'd be happy to. Uh, you know, speaking of my own vocation, I, I glossed over a lot, and I think that's true for anyone trying to talk about a vocation. But the whole idea of counterculture was something that was of interest to me before I entered the monastery. I was an artist in the world, a musician. And what drew me to music is that music oftentimes, when it's performed really well, offers us an alternate idea of what the world could be, uh, especially very beautiful music opens us up to possibilities we hadn't dreamed of, of hoping for. Uh, the sacred music of the church was very, very moving for me and uh, really contributed a lot to my vocation. So as I said, when I found out there were actually people who were living the monastic life, I had to study things about monastic life in school because monastic monastic life and Gregorian chant are very closely entwined. And when you start music history, you start with Gregorian chant usually. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was very exciting, the idea that one could withdraw from the world and uh, practice this life of asceticism and so on, and o- offer to the world uh, a, a vision of the kingdom of God coming into the world uh, that it's hard to see if you just take a walk through mm-hmm. Chicago, much mm-hmm. as I, I love the city, I love the people who live here, uh, but but it, it can be very lonely for many people, even in a huge city. And so to have a community witnessing to the values of the gospel, witnessing to Christ's presence in our midst, uh, for me is, is a very, very fulfilling and exciting life, uh, even if it's demanding in many ways. And where was home for you? Where did you grow up? Uh, I basically grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, oh. but I, I came Packers to Chicago fan, for, Packers, or uh, it depends. Father you know. Greg would ask. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll tell you what. I, I I'm always happy when the Bears win because again, <laughs> I live in Chicago. The people the people I live with and I minister to um, it it makes a difference uh, when our teams are doing well, mm-hmm. and so I, I do I do check the scores. I'll admit that. But, uh, <laughs> now you're uh, you're uh-huh. you're an independent. I understand that because I have friends who are uh, Benedictine, um, and I know you're independent. You're each area, each place, each ministry is independent. But but when I kind of looked up what we were going to be talking about today, I found uh, that there is a, there is a consortium of Benedictine uh, ministries that now. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? I I, I found like sixty four. Uh, monasteries, 45 women's, 1,250 folks, 24 countries represented. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? How does that work? Um, so I'm, I'm not entirely certain which consortium you're referring to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mentioned we we are grouped into congregations, normally on national lines. Mm-hmm. Uh and oftentimes these congregations grow out of monasteries founding other monasteries. So the two oh, largest congregations okay. in the United States, the American Cassinese and the Swiss American congregations, each started at an arch abbey and then they made foundations from those abbeys starting other monasteries in different places. And so when those, uh, we, we were adopted by Monastery of Christ in the Desert in New Mexico. Oh, wow. And so I was canonically a member of their community for many years until we became autonomous. But we retained very close fraternal relationships with them because uh, because they're, they were our mother house, you know. So we have many spiritual ways of relating. We do cooperate in many projects in terms of schools, uh, you know, many, many 
of our American abbeys have schools, and we will help out. You know, uh, a monk from one monastery or a nun from another monastery might go and teach at one of those schools to help mm -hmm. out. So we do support each other in various ways. At the same time, again, it's it's really unique in the religious world that Benedictines have this autonomy and right. this this attachment to the locality, right? So that we we really put down roots in one place and learn how to convert that culture. Do you do you like in the Chicago area, like do you uh, affiliate with like the Benedictines on Ridge, the sisters that are there? Um, we do, you know, loosely again. We, uh, we will visit them from time to time. They've been here for celebrations we've had. Uh -huh. um, but we regularly have uh, local superiors meetings with uh, Chicago, uh, Bennett Lake out in Lyle. Oh, sure, uh, sure. Marmion in Aurora, St. Bede's in Peru, uh, downstate. So we do get together and support one another in various ways to try to make fraternal visits. Unfortunately, because of the pandemic, that's, you know, oh, yeah. we haven't done very that as much as we would have liked. But we, I think it's important uh, because one of the dangers of autonomy and the cloistered life is one can be, become isolated. Mm -hmm. And it's important to remember that there are others who are living the same life as we are. Right. We just have a couple of minutes left. Um, Father Father Pryor, Peter, um, any, any last thoughts or uh, words for our listeners? Well, I would just say, uh, hold on to the, the great theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity, especially, I think, at this time, hope. Uh, our Lord Jesus is with us, and he is guiding us, even when uh, the events in the world can be quite frightening. It's important always to turn to prayer, uh, always put ourselves in his hands, and to be ready to respond to whatever call he makes of us. Well, beautiful. Prior Peter Funk, I, I do want to emphasize, too, on that YouTube. I remember years ago I saw a program on Channel 11. They said, once you smile and you talk about what you're doing in life, that's the right track that you're on. And and you really exemplify that today on, on YouTube. And I hope our listeners on radio know that um, you've embraced you've embraced your vocation with joy. So I really appreciate you being joining us today. And please, people, uh, think about 3101 South Aberdeen and come and, and worship with that Benedictine community. So thank you so much for your time and for your vocation and ministry. Thank you, Mark. God bless you. Good to be you. with you. You too. We're at WNDZ 750 AM. We'd like to bring this um program to a close, Catholic Chicago. I'd like to thank Clint and Brian, our producers. Uh, hope Father Greg is getting some needed rest and um, his his attitude improves. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, so thank you for, for listening and for viewing us today on Catholic Chicago. Mark Teresi here signing off for Father Greg Sackwitz. God bless you and have a great day. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.